Welcome to the weekly worship podcast from the Presbyterian Church in Morristown, where we pause our busy lives to dig deeper into our faith. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Let's listen to how God might speak to us today, and remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters. Friends, our gospel reading comes to us from the the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Hear God's word to us today. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did this as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us and mold us. Fill us and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh now on each one of us. Amen. So this is the question that I've been thinking about this week. Was it a choice? Did Jesus have a choice in this, in any of it, or was all of this just a part of God's plan? We often assume that Jesus had no say in the matter, that from the time of his birth, his life was pre-programmed like a pawn gliding from one preordained event to another in a well-choreographed and divinely scripted drama, and that his arrival in Jerusalem as well as his trial and his crucifixion, were were just his destiny as Savior in order for God to accomplish God's plan for the world. But is that how it was, or, or did Jesus have no say? Was it a choice? Did Jesus have a choice in this, in any of it? 
This past Friday night, there was a celebration in town as our Presbyterian congregation, as well as St. Peter's Episcopal Church just down the road, were honored for their role in founding Homeless Solutions 40 years ago. It was a great party and truly a privilege for us to be recognized for the work that began as the Morris Shelter back in the 1980s. I read an article recently that challenges some of the common assumptions about why homelessness still exists today. It begins, when someone becomes homeless, the instinct is to ask what tragedy befell them. What bad choices did they make with drugs or alcohol? What prevented them from getting a higher paying job? Why did they have more children than they could afford? Why didn't they make rent? Identifying personal failures, this article says, or, or specific tragedies helps those of us who have homes feel less precarious. If homelessness is about personal failure, it's easier to dismiss as something that couldn't happen to us. And harsh treatment is easier to rationalize toward those who experience it. But when you zoom out, determining individualized explanations for America's homelessness crisis gets murky. The author then uses the analogy of children playing musical chairs to explain the interplay between structural and individual causes of homelessness. As the game begins, the first kid to become chairless has a sprained ankle, maybe. The next few kids are too anxious to play the game effectively. The next few are smaller than the big kids, and at the end, a fast, large, confident child sits grinning in the last available seat. You can say that disability or or lack of physical strength caused the individual kids to end up chairless, but in this scenario, chairlessness itself is an inevitability. The only reason anyone is without a chair is because there aren't enough of them. In musical chairs, enforced scarcity is self-evident. In real life, housing scarcity is more difficult to observe, but it is the underlying cause of homelessness. The Palm Sunday part of Jesus' story is told in all four Gospels, with some differences, but mostly a similar narrative about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, with crowds of people waving their palm branches and placing their cloaks down on his path as a sign of their adoration and hope that he would be the one to save the people. Now, Matthew is writing to a primarily Jewish audience, and so one of the things that makes his telling of the story unique not just in this reading, but throughout his gospel, is that he often throws in the line, this took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. Over and over in Matthew's gospel, he wants to connect what Jesus is doing with an ancient prophecy about the coming Messiah. He wants to lend credibility to Jesus' actions to show that he's not just riding on a donkey because donkeys are a really cool way to make your entrance into Jerusalem. It is to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophet, in this case the prophet Zechariah, who some 500 years earlier had told them what it will look like when all of this was to happen. He said, lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey. And so for five centuries, the Israelites had been waiting for the day when David's successor would come riding into town. And they knew from their own sacred scripture how it was supposed to go. 
And so when Jesus does it, when he tells his disciples where they will find a donkey and to take that donkey and a colt and to bring them for Jesus to ride as he approaches Jerusalem, it is to send a message that the Jewish people would have understood very well. This is the way that the Messiah is to come, triumphant and victorious, yet humble and riding on a donkey. But was it a choice? Over these last few weeks leading up to the big Homeless Solutions Gala on Friday night, lots of long-involved people from PCM have told me stories about the early days, about how on the first night that the shelter was open in the Howard House right next door, seven guests showed up looking for a place to stay. Soon, the shelter, with its 14-bed capacity, was regularly full. On really cold nights, when it was dangerous for folks to sleep outside, volunteers would open the door to the basement and let people find warmth by the boiler. There are also some stories of resistance about how it took years to gain approvals from all the necessary jurisdictions before the shelter could open. The charitable part of our faith asks... What can we do about homelessness? The justice part of our faith asks why homelessness exists in the first place. And especially in an area where there is so much wealth and where people are so generous and resourceful, where you might think that issues like housing and hunger could be easily solved. Could it be that right here in our own backyard there is simply a scarcity of affordable housing? Not enough local places to accommodate the people who support our economy. I am talking about the janitors at Morristown Medical Center and the busboys at 1776. When we speak about housing scarcity, we are talking about the affordable places to live for people who who scan our groceries at ShopRite or who mow our lawns. What if people become homeless not simply as a result of their bad choices, but because there simply aren't enough affordable places for them to live, which itself is also a choice? Our choice. In theological terms, it is called the theory of substitutionary atonement. And it is problematic for many of us. Jesus is its object, and it's the belief that Jesus had to suffer. He had to die in order to save us from our sins. And the language of religion, the the casual way we toss around our words, especially at this time of year, it seems to support pilgrims and tourists had flooded into the city for the Passover, and there was resentment. There was growing resentment toward the government and toward the religious elites who had colluded with the occupying Romans in order to keep the peace, in order to keep the money flowing to Rome. And the people were sad and they were scared, but most of all, they were oppressed and they needed a Messiah. They've done it, right? But did he have a choice? Nothing would have symbolized a saving Messiah better than riding into Jerusalem like a conquering war hero on a, on a white horse with this huge army he had assembled along the way. But he didn't do that. 
He didn't, he didn't play into people's fears or use their desperation for his own political gain. And more importantly, he didn't abandon or compromise his own relationship with God for the sake of grabbing power. Nothing would have symbolized God's ability to save the world better than vanquishing Rome once and for all with a mighty act of force to counter their harsh and oppressive ways, but he didn't do that. Look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey. So was it a choice? Was it a choice? Yes. Yes, of course it was a choice. God is loving and forgiving, and and we need to be reconciled with God. And Jesus has done that for us. Jesus has embodied the love of God, and throughout his life, he proclaimed a message of peace and hope and liberation and humility and sacrifice, offering salvation. And so by not making today a martyr's parade before his inevitable death, which is what this day often becomes, we are free to embrace the central promise of Jesus and Palm Sunday. Namely, that it was his choice. It was a choice about how he lived his life. He didn't have to go to Jerusalem. And so what I celebrate this day is that because Jesus had a choice and because he chose the humble and lowly, and really the biblical image of kingship. It speaks to his character and to who he was and to who he calls his followers to be. It speaks to the way we should live and to the choices we should make about how we treat our neighbors. What if homelessness really is simply the result of of policy choices that ensure homelessness or affordable housing, it's dealt with elsewhere. It gets built somewhere else, if at all. I am so glad that PCM had a role in creating homeless solutions and that we support organizations who do such good work and holy work in our world. And I also wonder about the justice side of our faith about how we can ensure that there is no such thing as homelessness in the first place. That there's no such thing as hungry people who go get fed, who don't get fed. That there's no such thing as school shootings and racism and transphobia. And I wonder if if Jesus made the choice to go to Jerusalem in order to show us a new and a better way to live, humble and reconciled with the God of love, that we might live out his way in all that we say and we do. I wonder then, I wonder then if we also have a choice. Do we have a choice in any of these things? Yes. Of course we do. Of course we do. Of course we do. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening with us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe. Or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Visit us at www.pcmorristown.org 
or find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook to stay connected with our church. But most of all, remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.